All right, church. Again, blessed New Year. And um, the theme for this month is the new season. New year, new season. New year, new props. <laughs> Quite a big one and some more. All right, uh, new year, new resolutions and new goals. So how many of you have already set goals for this year? Can I have a show of hand? I never said goals. Okay, quite a few of you, great. We cannot leave our lives aimlessly, you know. Yeah? Okay, great. You know, now, this is what I found in the internet. And um, just wonder whether is it similar to some of the, um, the resolutions that you have, or perhaps for your consideration if you have not. The first one, the re- resolution is no more resolutions. You already have everything, right? Uh, there must be some things, you know, that you can work on. How about eating and exercising at the same time? Eat more vegetables. My wife always says, eat more vegetables and a little bit of meat. Less time on Facebook so that you can spend more time on Instagram. (laughs) Don't. All right, don't. Tidy up your house before Chinese New Year. It's coming. Even better, renovate the house. Wow. Save up more to buy a new car. If you cannot afford it, you can always buy a bicycle. You have received your Ang Pao packets. Make sure you give it out, but have money inside. How about something deeper for a resolution? A new heart for a new season. I'm not talking about physical heart transplant, but a new spiritual heart for God, a new heart for a new season. Something that we cannot buy or do for ourselves, but only what God can do for us. The truth is that we can try to do everything that we know how in the outside, but unless something changes in the inside, whatever that we try to do may not last or satisfy at all. Something must happen in the inside. And there's hope. Because God wants to do something in our hearts. God not only wants to, and He can. He wants to give us a new heart if we allow Him to. But what kind of heart is this that God is talking about? Let me suggest to you, it's a cleansed heart. It's a committed heart and a contrite heart. A new heart for a new year, a new heart for this new normal, and a new heart for a new season. Church, I believe God is going to do something new in BBTC, in us, in our hearts today. So, before we move further, let's ask God to speak to our hearts, shall we pray? Just close your eyes, bow your heads for a while, and ask God to quieten down your hearts and speak to you today. Just tell the Lord, Lord, speak to me, for your servants, your children, hears. After that, say a prayer for me that the Lord will use me to speak to you. Lord, as we come before you this evening, as we seek your face, open our eyes to behold wonderful truths of your word. Now, as your servant dearly loved by you, speak for your words. May the words that come out from my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. I give you my five loaves and two fishes. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Today we're going to look at this book called Ezekiel. 
And um, before we zoom into the text, Ezekiel chapter 36, let's take a quick look at the overview of this book. This book is written by Ezekiel, and a priest and prophet. And the theme for this book is the glory of God. And because of the sin of people, that um, they were exiled to Babylon. When the people thought that God has forsaken them, it was then God revealed His glory to Ezekiel in the foreign land. Not only so, God then assured Ezekiel that he was still at work with this phrase that appeared again and again, again and again in the book of Ezekiel. And this phrase is, So that they, the nations, might know that I am the Lord your God. In the midst of all this, God showed Ezekiel who he is and what he was about to do. Not just now, but what is coming in the future. Not just what is outside, but what is inside. And that brings us to the text for our study this evening. Ezekiel chapter 36, 22 to 26. Allow me to read to you. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus say the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nation to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which you have profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them, and the nation will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean from all the uncleanness and from all your Idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The Lord bless the reading of His Word. The text begins with, therefore, therefore, a conjunction that requires us to look at the text earlier to better understand its context. In the earlier verses, God spoke to Ezekiel that, the people were in exile in Babylon because of his judgment on them. The Israelites had sinned against God and defiled the land that God has given them. So God took them out. And after a few years, God was about to do something new. That's where he spoke to Ezekiel. And he gave the reason for that. It was done for his name's sake. It may sound a little bit self-centered when we first read that. However, we need to understand where God was coming from. You see, in the Old Testament... The person's name was tied to the person in terms of who he is and what he's doing. For example, Jesus means he saves. Moses means he was drawn from the river. Or Jacob means the deceiver. But God is a holy and a mighty God. Though we cannot see him physically, we're supposed to see how he deals with his people and from there get to know him better. Unfortunately, in this case, the people were scattered. Why? Because they have misrepresented the holy God whom they are supposed to murder after. So the just God will punish men, but God is also a gracious and a compassionate God. So verse 23 tells us this, that 
God would gather the people back and restore them. And the nation would then get to know that He is the Lord, they are God. And through it all, the nation might then come to the knowledge of God, the Creator of them all. But how is God going to do that? That brings us to the first point for the day. And God is about to give them a new heart, a cleansed heart from all impurities. The change must come from the inside our hearts. You see, a story was told of a man who went into depression, so he went to see a psychologist. After a few sessions, the man still feel very, felt very, very sad. So the psychologist said, I'm not sure what else can I do for you. But yesterday, I went for a show uh, in the circles. Oh, the clown was so funny. You know, I could not stop laughing. So you should go and take a look and watch it. It might cheer you up. Then the man replied, it wouldn't work. The psychologist said, why are you so negative? You didn't even try. How do you know? Then the man added, I know you won't work because I'm that clown. <laughs> Often we try to do things outside to solve what is inside and then realize that it won't work. That's where God needs to step in. Verse 24 and 20 to 26, there's two words that repeat again and again. And these two words are, I will, I will. Even though God was the one who scattered them, by God's grace, God will bring them back. Not only so, God will cleanse them from all impurities and their sins. How? By giving them a new heart, a heart that is cleansed by clean water. Why clean water? Because according to the Old Testament law, every Jew who was defiled had to be clean you know, before he entered back to his camp or his community. This is done by either um, bathing in running water or sprinkling with water. That's why in the book of Hebrew, the author says, let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and body washed with pure water. Of course, we know that mere waters cannot cleanse a person's heart. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. This happens when one accepts Jesus into his heart. That's where he will receive the new spirit, a new life, and a new heart mentioned in verse 26. Pastor John also put it this way, it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all our sin. The idea of a sprinkling of water is just a foreshadow of what is to come. We need to believe, church, that today God has given to us a clean heart, inside. Believe that. You see, I've been a Christian for more than 26 years and uh, when I first came to know the Lord, I joined the cell groups and also um, attend courses and uh, BSF, the Bible Study Fellowship. The more I study, the more I realized that there are a lot of things that I'm doing that are not right before God. I try, I try to change, but I just keep failing. And by God, God's grace, I managed to drop some of my bad habits. When I thought that, hey, I'm doing quite, quite okay, then the Lord started to deal with what is inside. And I look at the list of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, um, forgetfulness, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, self-control. Yeah, all right? So as I search deep inside, I realize that some of these are not there or none are there. And the most common phrase I often say to God is, sorry, Lord, sorry. 
I just cannot. I just cannot. There was a lot of condemnation and there was a lot of guilt. I was struggling, you know, trying to do what is right before God until I read, or actually I tried to memorize John chapter 15, that, that there goes something like, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That whatever that still bears fruits, he prunes so that you will be even more fruitful. And verse 3 goes something like this, that you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. As I meditate, memorize, and then I started to wonder what does it mean? It was then I realized that, oh, in God's eyes, I'm already righteous. I'm already clean because of what God has done for me. How do I know? How can I be assured of that? The Word of God has already been given to me. And this is what God say. I am clean because of what Jesus has done for me. So, now, you will hear often at this pulpit, we will boldly declare, I'm totally forgiven. I'm completely accepted. I'm dearly loved by God. And we mean it because God has already given us a clean heart. This truth then set me free, not for me to sin further, but to recognize that the starting point of any Christian walk is that we are already righteous in Christ. So out of this, we lift out the righteousness for Christ. From there, I started to realize I can love people a little bit more. I can be a little bit more patient with people and can a little bit more gentle. I try to say this gently. I'm not perfect yet. It's a journey. But from this clean heart, that I have received from God, I realize that don't be so hard on yourself. God understands that we are sinners saved by grace, but God will continue to work in us and through us for His name's sake. So my brothers and sisters, the first question I have for you today is, do you believe that God has already given you a cleansed heart? Or are you still thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough? And there are condemnation, guilt in our hearts. Don't. There's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has already given you a new heart, a cleansed heart because of what Jesus has done for you. It is by His blood that we are restored, we are renewed, and we are redeemed. So start by believing that you are already cleansed by the blood of Jesus and lift out this righteousness for Him. Hey, Pastor, very difficult. You don't know the mess I'm in, inside and outside. That's why cleansing itself is not the end. It's just a starting point. We don't stop there. There's something more that God wants us to do because the heart that God is going to give us is not just a cleansed heart, but a committed heart to follow the instructions of God. And that brings us to the second point for the day, a committed heart. Again, a story was told of a man who promised his three sons to support them financially for their studies. To instill gratitude, he only had one condition. They are to commit to putting $10,000 in the coffin after he died. They all agreed, all did very well. One became a doctor, one became a banker, another one a lawyer. The day the father died, 
all of them were reminded to fulfill their commitment. So the doctor came and put $1,000 in the coffin. The banker came, put 2,500 notes inside. That is also 10,000. But the lawyer decided to give 50,000. And this is what he did. He wrote a check and put it inside. <laughs> now, nothing against lawyers, but it's about commitment. Commitment. Church, if you are still figuring out the story, <laughs> he gave nothing. The concern is not what you give, it's what is in your heart. That is the concern that we have. For God wants from us is not our lip service, but a heart that is committed to Him and Him alone. One who's committed to do what God says. And God wants to help us with that. Is it so? Let's read on. God says, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. Verse 26 talks about a process of replacement. God will remove the heart of stone from us and replace it with a heart of flesh. The heart of stone is a hardened heart. One that stopped receiving God's word and stopped growing spiritually is a rebellious heart. But a heart of flesh does not refer to a carnal heart, but rather a tender heart that is receptive to God's word and ready to obey God. It's receptive heart and also a responsive heart. On top of that, God wants to give us His Spirit. What for? So that by the Spirit of God, the Spirit will guide us and enable us to obey His rules written in the Scriptures led by the Spirit. So then when the world look at us, oh, with a clean heart, with a committed heart to follow Jesus, they will wonder and then they might know that Jesus truly is the Lord and then be safe. But sadly, when we look around, the reality is many may not choose to do that. Even with a clean heart, that heart can be hardened again. That's why Jesus once talked about a parable of four different types of soil. And this, the soil talked about, you know, representing our heart. And it says that, you know, in Hebrews, in, in, this, in this parable, it talks about four different kinds of hearts. And if we are not careful, you know, our heart can turn cold against God. In this case, only the one that have good soil will bear fruit. The rest no longer fit to receive God's word. This may happen when our prayers are yet to be answered. So unbelief, doubt, disappointment, discouragement slip into our heart and sometimes anger. Or things don't go our way, we just switch off. Now even easier, online, I just click off. Or for some, you know, we're not so happy with the church, not so happy with the church leaders, and though we may look like we are listening, but we are no longer receiving. 
And that doesn't stop there because such a heart defiles others as well. So we need to be very careful, not just for ourselves, but also the people around us. Therefore, the author of Hebrew once warned us this. He says that today, if you hear my voice, do not, do not harden your heart. Do not. You have a good heart that God has given to you. Do not harden it. Above all, guard this heart because everything you do flows from it. Now, my brothers and sisters, we only have one life to live. And we are reminded last week that we need to live it out wisely. But how can I suggest to you, live it out on a good soil. And not only so, to live it out, committing to follow God wholeheartedly. With this heart from God, a tender heart from God and the Spirit leading us, that's where we learn to obey and to walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Then the fruit of the Spirit will overflow from our heart. Not just one area, but all areas of our lives. With that, God then can work in us and through us for His glory. You see, a story was told of F.P. Mayer, a renowned pastor who was asked to speak at a convention. At the same time, C.T. Stop, you know, a British missionary was there. Stop was then asked to give a 15-minute report of his work in Africa before Mayer came up to speak. So Stop started sharing. An amazing thing happened that day. The, the, God's presence was so real and they just feel the place. People are weeping, sobbing and just within that 15 minutes. When he came down, it was Mayor's turn. By then, he didn't know what to say. And not only so, he could hardly preach because the message also spoke to him. After the meeting, Mayor went to look for start and this is what Mayor asked him. I know it wasn't you. It must be God. But how do you do that? How do you do that? And this is what the missionary with a broken heart say to Mayor, my brother, have you given all your keys in your life to Jesus? Have you given all your keys of your life to Jesus? And he asked, well, what do you mean? I mean, all the keys to the rooms of your lives, the compartments, the secret place of your heart to Jesus so that Jesus can fill them all. Mayer then realised that he has never done so. So that very night after the convention, he kneeled before God and one after the other, one after the other, one after the other, one after the other, he gave all his keys to Jesus. From that day on, God used his life in amazing ways than before. So the same question that was asked that day it's the same question that I want to ask you, church, today. And that is, have you given all your keys to Jesus? Have you given all your keys to Jesus? Are you still holding back some keys? This room cannot enter. This room cannot. The rest can, Jesus. Are we committed to follow Jesus? Not just following Jesus, but follow Jesus wholeheartedly in all areas of our lives so that we will search deep inside we will find God in every compartment of our lives, of our hearts, our family, our finance, our career, our ministry, our health, 
every areas of our lives, we will find God there? Or is our heart filled with disappointment, doubt, unbelief, anger, disappointment, pain that can result in a hardened heart? Don't. Don't, church. Exchange your heart of stone if it is so with a new committed heart of flesh from Jesus today. And then be filled with the Spirit of the living God by giving all your keys to Jesus and look and behold what God might do after that for you. For this is God's desire for you. The question is, is that your desire as well? Think about it. Think about it. Now, of course, Christian life is not just about doing this, doing that, you know, following this instruction, following that instruction. Christianity is more than a religion. It's about a relationship with God. Yes, we want, you know, and we are thankful that God has given us a cleansed heart, you know, from all impurities, a committed heart for the instructions of God. But there's something more that God wants to give to us. And that is to have an intimate relationship with God. And that brings us to the last point for the day that God wants us to also have a contrite heart. You see, a story of to- was told of a, an interview. A man was asked, what is your strength? And the man said, I love to take initiative. All the interviewers just say, oh, that sounds good. So what is your weakness? Because of my initiative, you know, and then sometimes, you know, I really want to be the first one to act. And he said, that doesn't sound like a weakness. Then the interviewer thought about it and was very pleased with this man. So this is why he said, thank you so much. We will contact you soon. Then the man cut in, please don't. Please don't contact me. Remember my strength? I will contact you. (laughs) I guess the man didn't get his job. (laughs) The truth sometimes is this. When it comes to the relationship of God, we may not utter it, but this is what really the case inside. God! We will contact you. Don't contact us. Don't contact me. I will contact you when I need you. But that's not how it works. And God is always the one who takes the first move and we are supposed to be the one to respond, not the other way around. And more so because of our sinful nature, our hearts are often prone to wonder. And God knows it. That brings us to the last few verses of today's study. It goes something like, You will dwell in the land I give to your father, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all uncleannesses, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine among, upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, and you will never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nation. Then you will remember your wicked ways and deeds that were not good, and you will love yourself for your iniquities and abominations. It is not for your sake that I act, declares the Lord. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and profound for your ways, O house of Israel. After God promised to give His people a clean and committed heart and a new spirit, God declares that the people will dwell in the promised land again. Not only so, there, was, there will be this relationship between God and His people. I will be your God and you will be my people. And the phrase, I will, I will, I will, appears again, telling 
the people that I will take the first step. I will take the initiative. God will deliver. God will summon. God will make it right. God will act. So that the nations sees the blessing upon you, they will realize that, oh, God is a holy God. That's why He punished them. But God is a gracious God. That's why God bring them back. And through it all, they might know that our God is a good God. A God that Israel does not deserve at all. And the passage seems to end with a very sad note that God wanted the people not to forget the evil ways and the deeds and the sin that they have committed. Meaning, don't forget how you have fallen short of the glory of God, the standard of God. Now the truth is, same for us. Not just the Israelite. Even Isaiah once said this, Woe is me, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord, the Lord of hosts. That's in the Old Testament. How about the New Testament? Peter once told the Lord, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. Church, one who is saved must never conclude that, Oh, Jesus, die for me. See how great I am. No, rather, we should realize that how bad I am. And Jesus died for me. Now behold, how great is my God. That is the posture we should take when we come before God, a contrite heart to declare that how bad I am, but how great is my God who loves me and gave himself for me. That is how we should respond and come before God. And God did not just leave us there, blessing us, and then He wanted to have a relationship with us. Now, many scholars you know, conclude that, that this, restoration, this restoration does not refer to them returning to Canaan, but rather it was under Jesus that all these are being fulfilled. But what is more important that we must not miss is that the external restorations must begin with an internal one. Whatever that's external, the blessing must come after a blessing from within, a clean heart that God wants to give us. And then with this contrite heart, knowing that we have fallen short of the glory of God, remembering all the wrong things we have done, and then we come before God clean, come before God wanting to commit, coming to God with this con contrite heart and say, God, help me. No wonder the first sermon, the first sentence that Jesus declared in his first sermon on the Sermon of the Mount is this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Until we know how poor we are inside, we might not be able to appreciate the kingdom that is from above. The man that is after God's own heart also understood this that's why he declared the sacrifices of God is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And this contrite heart, God does not despise. Church, we need to recognize that these are the words of a man who has failed God, who has committed adultery, who has murdered somebody, but yet 
God declared, this is a man after my own heart. Why? Because God sees what is inside a contrite heart. Is that the same heart that you have when you come before God? Or see God, the heart that I have, do you want it? Or is it God, look at my heart? Don't despise it. And this is what God will do. God will exchange it with a heart of fresh to follow Him. And then out of this heart, it's not just God we're saying, but we will say to God, God, you will be my God and I will be your people. Then God will restore. You see, one of my favourite hymns that I've learned in BSF is Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. One of the stanzas goes something like this. I cannot sing for you, so I will just read to you. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I constrain to be. Let your goodness be a fetter. By my wandering heart to thee, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy cause above. Behind this hymn is a story of a little boy called Robert Robinson, whose father passed away when he was eight years old. And to make it worse, his grandfather, who was a wealthy man, did not agree to the marriage of his daughter to this man, so did not provide for him, provided for the daughter and also Robert. So at the very young age, Robert had to work as a barber. Maybe that's why his uh, hairstyle is so cool. <laughs> Trying very hard to provide for and the widow mom, and then after that, you know, but it was not easy. He mixed around with bad companies. But then he came to faith under the influence of a, a, a renowned evangelist, George Winfield. It was then he grew up in the Lord and became a pastor of a, of a huge congregation. Unfortunately, again, it was not easy for him. After a few years, hurt by the church, he was angry, he was unhappy, sometimes even unstable. He was then, there was once he was sitting on this stagecoach with a young lady who was singing the same words. Oh, to grace, how great adapter. Daily, I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter, by my wandering heart to thee, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for the cause above. And then after singing, this lady turned to Robert and said, what do you think about this song? And this is what Robert said, Madam, I'm the unhappy man who wrote this hymn many years ago. And now I will give a thousand words to just feel how it was like before when I wrote these words. Church, sometimes we forgot. We forget that, you know, what it was like that when we was lost. We forget that if not for Jesus, we won't be sitting here listening to His Word. We may be somewhere else. We forget that we have been forgiven. We forgot. We forgot about all this. We become a Christian for so long and then we started to give God our leftover. 
A token here, a token here, a little bit of contribution here, and then that's it. But what we didn't know from the start is that all that God wants is our hearts. He has given us a new heart. A heart that prones to wonder, a heart that prones to live the God we love. And we are just so caught up with the situation around us. The COVID situations, our advancement, our accomplishments, our achievements, even our ministries. And then for some, you know, we are just weekend Christians. Where is that contrite heart? The heart that God has given to us. Somewhere down the line, we took it back. We took it back. And deep inside, when we search inside, we look at the throne sitting in our hearts, it's no longer Jesus. Where is that prayer? Lord, come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. My Lord, is He still your Lord? So church, are you listening? Even those online, are you listening? If you are listening, God is saying to you today, Give me your heart. If you are listening today, God is saying, Give me your heart and I will make it new. Yes, a heart that wonders, God will pull it back. A heart that prones to leave the God you love. God will show you how much He loves you. Give your heart to Jesus and He will make it new for a new season. The last question I have for you today is, now, are you willing to give your heart to Jesus today? And as you do so, guess what? Guess what? God will exchange it with a new heart. What kind of heart is that? A cleansed heart from all impurities, a committed heart for the instructions of God, a contrite heart, the desire for an intimacy with God. And the next time when we sing, I love you, Lord, it comes from a pure heart. I love you, Lord. In moments like this, I lift up my voice. I love you, Lord. A new heart for a new season. A new heart for God. A heart that is sealed for thy cause above.